glad you're here today. It's already been a great day, amen? It's only going to get better because we're about to look into God's Word. And when we look in God's Word, it is alive and it speaks to us today. It alone has the power to change us today. You may look in a lot of places today to see what it would take to have some change happen in your life, to see some change come to your relationships, to see some change happen to your future. I'm going to tell you what, you are in the right place today because the Spirit of God is here and God's Word is about to be opened and that is when change happens. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're in the middle of a series we're calling Driven. You probably saw the motorcycle out here. This is owned by Mr. Carl Large. You probably hear that name a lot lately. Every car that's been out there so far is related to that family. Carl drives that racing motorcycle, not on the streets, but in racing. He says he can get up to 160 miles an hour. That's fast. I've seen pictures of Carl racing that thing, and he's down on one knee. I, I sure can't do that. You know, going around a curve. It's amazing. It is a bike designed, watch this, it's designed to be raced. It wasn't meant to be driven around the 20-mile-an-hour zones here in Ovilla, right, Carl? It's not what it's designed for. It is a high-power bike designed to be driven and raced. We're going to discover today how you and I are finely tuned uniquely crafted, filled with the Spirit of God, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, to be filled with a passion and a drive and to make a difference in this world. You and I weren't made. You and I were not made to just coast through life at 20 miles an hour enjoying some scenery. Hello. We're going to see that today. Now, I hated being sick last week. But I am so grateful for Jerry and Kay Phillips and their story that they told here. Amen. A beautiful and powerful story of how God works where there has been pain and failure to bring about new life and new drive. And they would be the first to tell you that it's not uniquely their story. It's God's story. It's God's story in them and through them. They're not superstars or rock stars. They are just another member of the body of Christ that have made themselves open to the story that God has for them. And I want that to be true of every one of us. Amen. Amen. So tonight we're starting something different. We normally do not have Sunday evening activities here. But tonight and for the next three weeks, we're doing something called Under the Hood. It's part of our Driven series. We're going to take a look each week at how God has designed us. Every one of us in here have a unique personality engine that God has crafted you with. And if you don't understand your engine, you may find yourself putting the wrong fuel in. Hello? You may find yourself tooling around in a park when you were designed for a racetrack. Or you may even find yourself trying to go places that you weren't designed to go and looking for stuff that was never meant to fulfill you. So tonight, if you come, 6 o'clock, bring a few cookies. We'll be at tables, fun, interactive. I promise you you're going to laugh. I promise you you're going to learn something. In fact, you will walk away tonight with an understanding of your unique personality engine. You'll walk away with it. 
not only will you understand something about how God has made you, but you'll understand something about that friend that you've got that every once in a while just irks you, right? Or that spouse who's across the table from you, that every once in a while you think, what is going on in your head? You'll figure it out tonight. I promise you, you'll discover something and you'll walk away and your relationships will benefit from it and your walk with God will benefit from it. So tonight, 6 o'clock. So let's get back to our series, Driven. God has designed us to be filled with drive and passion. The illustration with the kids showed that. You and I were meant, as Jesus said, to have rivers of living water just overflowing from us. I know sometimes people use the illustration. They say, well, you know, we're all kind of like a tube of toothpaste. And whatever you squeeze is what's come out, you know, the top. And people usually use that to refer to, well, you know, I've just got a bunch of anger and, you know, bitterness and all this stuff in my life. And if I get squeezed, all that yuck stuff comes out. Well, look, when you came to the cross, that stuff was taken care of. That stuff was removed. You and I aren't meant to carry around that junk anymore. As a believer in Jesus Christ, when you get squeezed today, what ought to come out is some grace, some compassion, some love, some patience. That's what ought to come out of us. That's what you and I were designed for. And we were designed to operate with this power and strength in our life. In the New Testament, it says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. This is what you and I were made to operate with, is power and strength. In fact, Paul would say, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know that strength in me. That same kind of strength that, that caused Jesus to be risen from the dead, that is possible for you and I. That same kind of power and strength so that when you get into a situation and you feel the squeeze coming on, what doesn't come out of you is death. What comes out of you is life. This is what you and I were intended for in Jesus Christ. This is the drive we have been given. Now today, we're going to look at a, a character in Scripture. We've been looking at his life for the past several weeks. It's Moses. And we're going to see how God crafted him, called him, equipped him, and even squeezed him in a situation to prove Moses, I've called you. I've called you to do something great. It's bigger than what you think in your head. It's bigger than what you can imagine in your heart. But Moses, I will be with you, and I'm going to give the drive to you to do that very thing. So many Christians today start off their walk with Christ, and they have this idea, and they have this dream in their heart of big things that God's going to do in them. They hear those from God. He puts them in their heart, and life happens to them. Struggle, failure, Problem, relationship issue, and Satan loves those moments because he starts pointing the finger, starts accusing, starts depressing, and instead of them walking with those dreams anymore, they just settle for half-life. They settle for the mundane. They settle for just making it by, and they do not even take hold of the power that's been given to them. Today, we're going to see how Moses... Walk through that situation. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4. It's where we are today. And in this situation, we're going to see how Moses is called by God. You see, we discovered that Moses had been born at a time when it was not popular, 
safe, politically feasible, financially necessary to even have a child. It was at a bad time. His people were slaves in Egypt. And Pharaoh had just passed a decree that if any baby boys were born, that they would be put to death. Guess what Moses' parents have? Hello, it's a boy. And they say, we are not going to be afraid of the king's commands. We believe God's given us this child. He's given it to us for a purpose, and he has a purpose for his life. And so they hid this baby boy for three months, the Bible says. And they kept him until they couldn't keep him anymore, and then they released him into God's hands. The Bible says that Pharaoh's family actually found Moses. And so Moses grows up in Pharaoh's house. Can you imagine that? A Hebrew growing up in Pharaoh's house, all around him are slaves, and they are his people. And there's something inside that doesn't just set right with Moses about all that. It's not just, this isn't right for people to be treated this way, and it's his own people. How can this go on? And Moses is just burning with some anger about the whole thing, and he takes it into his hands. The Bible says one day he looked out, and there was an Egyptian beating up, unfairly treating a Hebrew. Moses looked this way, he looked that way, and then he went and killed the Egyptian. He thought, I'll take care of this myself. I'll stop all this. You see, God put something in his heart, but he handled it all the wrong way. It caused Moses to have to leave. He had to leave the land. He had to leave his place of where he was going to be next in command. He had to leave, and the Bible says he lived on the backside of the desert. And there God met him, and God said something incredible to Moses, as we saw two weeks ago. Look at this one verse before we jump into four. It says in chapter 2 that God said to Moses, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses, you're the guy. You're the deliverer. You're the one I'm going to send back, Moses. You're the one who's going to make a difference. The big dream you had, Moses, I've got something even bigger than what you even imagined. You're going to have to open your mind and your heart to all I've got for you, Moses. Believe me, I'm going to send you back, and you're going to be the rescuer. Chapter 4 is where we take up today and how Moses responds. Look at it in verse 1. It says, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Moses doesn't face the moment with great faith and confidence. He faces it with fear. God, I don't know. I mean, what what if I get back there and they like, all right, right, God spoke to you. How are we supposed to believe that? Uh Uh-huh. God didn't speak to you. Have you ever had that fear before? That God put something in your heart? God prompted you to speak to your spouse about some issue that you were struggling with or a need that you wanted to talk about in your family or a coworker, or a friend or a neighbor and you wanted to talk to them and you felt like God was really leading you to do that or maybe you wanted to teach a class, maybe you wanted to serve in a ministry, maybe you wanted to do something great and all of a sudden you got this idea in your head, wait a minute, what if they don't listen to me? What if they won't accept me? What if they won't even believe that God has spoken to me? That is what Moses is dealing with. Moses' drive is thrown off because he's got this fear. And he began to question everything. But God faithfully responds. Look at this in verse 2. 
So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? God just goes right to it. He didn't say, okay, Moses, we're going to get involved in a uh, 12-week program here. He said, okay, Moses, we're going right after this deal right now. What's that in your hand? Uh, uh, a, a rod. You see, Moses was a shepherd. He had been a shepherd for 40 years. For 40 years, he's been living on the backside of the desert, not doing what he had dreamed of doing, not doing what God had called him to do. He's, he's leading sheep, and he's got this staff in his hand. And it says next in verse 3, And he said, God said to him, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. He takes this piece of wood that he's carried for a long time. He's leaned on it. He's trusted in it. He's used it to get victory. He's used it to protect the sheep. He's laid down with it. He's carried it. It's been his right hand. And Moses, I want you to throw it on the ground. So Moses, obedient to God, throws it on the ground. And the Bible says that as soon as he did, it turned into a serpent. Now, look what Moses does. Moses fled from it. How many can relate to that? Yeah. yeah. If, if I had a stick and I threw it on the ground and it turned to a snake that was the same size as that stick, I'd be gone, right? We all would. We'd be running. Well, except for Ryan. He likes snakes. So Moses is terrified at this. He's terrified at what God said to him and what was happening here. It's kind of a pattern in Moses' life. Hear something big and run. Get caught in a situation, run. Not deal with it, not stay in it, not draw near to God, but run. That's what Moses does here. It says in verse 4, watch this. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Now, you and I know that's not what you do with a snake. You don't turn around to pick it up to begin with, but if you had any sense about you that said, I think I'm going to pick this thing up, I don't know why you'd want to, but if you did, you would not grab it by the tail because his head would come around and be in your face, right? You don't touch it by the tail. But the Bible says he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. And God has this unusual story. Throw it down, Moses. Turns into a snake. Moses runs. Moses comes back, grabs it by the tail. As soon as he grabs it, as soon as his hand is wrapped around its tail, boom, it's back to being the rod again. It's back to what it started as. It's back to looking like it used to look. It's back to something useful in Moses' hand. It was, and then it became something cursed, and then it was again. It was a rod. It had a purpose. It was life to Moses. But then it fell on the ground. It died and it turned into something poisonous, dangerous, ugly, cursed. And when Moses reached out to touch it, grasp it, it turned back into a rod again. It was alive to what it once was before. 
Now, if you're not making some connections yet, just hold all that because we're going to draw some lines between the dots. I'm putting dots on the page right now. All right? What was alive became cursed, became alive again. And God says, this is going to be a sign. Verse 4, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Moses, this is the first sign I'm giving you. When you go along the way and you're going back into Egypt and you start having some fears, you start having some concerns, you start having some doubts, Moses, I want you to remember this. Your rod thrown to the ground became a snake. You grasped it and it became a rod again. Sign number one. Let's go on in the story. Let's move along here just a little bit. Verse five. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, or six, now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. Now, Moses, I'm not sure what he was wearing that day. I don't think he was wearing some nice button down shirt, but he had something. He probably had like we normally think of Moses wearing and maybe some kind of cover with it. And God says, I want you to take your hand and I want you to put it where it's covered. I want you to put it close to your heart. I want you to leave it there for just a moment. And he put it in there. He did it. He's he's learning. He's in school right now. When God speaks, you do what he says. And he's doing it. His hand is gone from his sight. And God says, now take it out. And when he took it out, the Bible says, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Now, we don't have an active leprosy condition in America today. So you and I have a hard time kind of identifying what's going on here. But to have leprosy meant pretty much the end of life for you as you knew it you would eventually be so diseased by it that you would die. But immediately your hand, this hand for him, became covered with something like snow. It's covered with sores. And leprosy itches. Itches a lot. You think a mosquito bite and a poison ivy itch. It's nothing like leprosy. You see, you find stories in the Bible of people who had leprosy and they've taken broken pieces of pottery and they're like... Trying to itch it just to try to get some relief. And leprosy is painful. Leprosy spreads. Leprosy is contagious. Those who had leprosy were usually put, usually put away. They couldn't be with anyone else. And Moses all of a sudden pulls his hand out and he's got leprosy. Oh no. Verse 7. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. He puts this leprous hand back into his bosom, back into the area that you normally wouldn't do. You don't want this stuff to spread, but he says, put it back in, and he does. And he drew it out of his bosom, and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. And God gives him a second sign, a second sign. You see, the first one, the first one was pretty amazing. But the thing that's different about this one, it gets very personal. It's on Moses. It's on his hand. It's all about him. It's next to his heart. It's about something that changes him. 
The first was about a rod and a snake and a rod again. The second is about Moses' own life. It's me. It's personal. This is a big deal. I just got leprosy, but now look, I don't have it anymore. I'm clean. I'm healed. I'm clear. Moses, this is your second sign. Moses, when you're on your way and you're filled with doubt and insecurities and uncertainty, when you look back at what's happened in your life, when you look back over your failures, when you look back at what's happened to you, Moses, you've got to remember this sign. I just wonder with Moses when he's going back to Egypt, you know, he's looking around to make sure no one's looking. He's like, and he tries it again just to see if it would happen. He's like, ah! You know, and he pulls it back. Or if there were times that he took the rod and like, make sure no one's looking like, you know, and he reached out and pick it up. I don't know if that happened or not. I think if I was Moses, I'd be doing that. I just, you know, I just need some reassurance along the way. I know it's a pretty amazing thing. You know, a rod, a snake, a rod again, and leprosy, no leprosy. Wow. There had to be times you'd think he was going back and just had to just see one more time. Is it still real? Is it still happening? Is this something that only worked, you know, when I was on the backside of the desert? Does it work over here in Egypt too, you know? All along the way, he keeps trying it. I don't know, but kind of have to wonder if that was true. So we get into verse 8, and the Bible says this. It says that God said, then it will be if they do not believe you, nor heed your message of the first sign. In other words, Moses, if you go back, and you go back to the people, and you say, hey, Moses here, I've got something to say. And the minute you start talking, they don't believe, use the snake rod thing. If that doesn't work, it says, then it will be if they do not believe you nor heed the message of the first sign that they may, hello, may believe the second or may believe the message of the latter sign. Moses, if they didn't believe the first one, they may, they might believe the message of the second one. But then the Bible says this, and it shall be if they do not believe even these two signs. Can you believe that? In the next verse, if they do not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice. Can you believe that someone would see all of that but still say, mm, I don't know. I saw it on David Copperfield one time, and I don't think that's really, you know. I don't know if that's really true. I mean, you know, you maybe got some kind of trickery going on. Can you believe people would not believe this? But God says, if they don't believe you or if they won't listen to your voice, then this, look, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. Moses, I'm going to give you a third sign. And Moses, I'm doing this so that they will believe you. But Moses, I'm doing this so that you will have confidence. Moses, I want you to go back in there with some confidence. You can't go back in there saying, um, I think I might have something from God. You can't go back in like that, Moses. They won't listen to you. You've got to go in with some certainty and confidence, and these signs will give that to you. And here's a third one, Moses. I want you to go to the river, the Nile River, the river that was the center of life for them, the source of their strength, the source of their economy, it's the Nile River. Moses, I want you to go and get some water from it. And I want you to pour it out on the dry ground. And when you do, something crazy is going to happen. It's going to turn into blood 
on the dry ground. Moses, this is the third sign. Moses, this is different than the others. You can't practice this one on the way there. You can't play with this one, Moses. This one you get to do when you're there. Only when you're in the moment, Moses, then you can do this. It's not like the rod snake rod. It's not like the hand inside, hand out, leprosy, no leprosy. This one's different. This one you do when you get there. You take water and you pour it out. Pour it all out. Every bit of it. Not just a drop, not just a teaspoon, not just a quarter cup. Whatever you pull, pull out, you pour out. Whatever you get out of the river, you pour out on the dry land. And it will become blood. Now, I know probably what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, man, if only, if only I could have lived in that time. If only I had those kind of signs. If only I had that. If I had, you know, like my iPad and I could throw it down and it turned into a, a turtle or something, you know, and I'd reach down and I'd pick it up and it says, iPad again. I could feel pretty good about that. I'd have some confidence. I think I could really talk to my neighbor if I had that, right? You know, if I could really go in and show them, you know, I had, a, I had leprosy, now I don't have leprosy. Here it is, whoa, 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 and you know, then they would surely believe. If I could do those kind of things, surely they would believe and I would have confidence. I mean, I'd be walking on top of the world, you know, like, yo, I'm here, I've got a message from God, you better watch this, right? That's what you might be thinking right now. I got something for you. You and I have been given in Jesus Christ signs more powerful than these. Please do not discount what I just said. Please do not turn me off in your head or you will miss the confidence and power and strength that God has intended for each one of us to have today, right now. So that in whatever he's called you to do, on the job, in your home, with that difficult loved one, I don't care what it is, you have been given everything you need in Jesus Christ to be filled with strength and endurance and power to do that thing. And to do more than you can even imagine or think. It's time to end the half-living. It's time to end the self-doubt and fear. It's time to walk in the confidence of what God has given us in Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's move on forward here and see what the Bible has to say to us. And I want you to look at three signs that God has given us for our confidence today. We're going to connect the dots now. We're going to put it all together now. If you're taking notes... And you haven't yet, this is your moment. If you want to take pictures of the screen and you haven't yet, this is your moment. Let's take this stuff in and let's remember it. First sign, sign number one, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the sign that you and I have been given. Watch this. You see, first of all, God said to Moses, Moses, take that rod that's in your hand, that shepherd's staff. Take that thing that has led sheep. Take that thing that has led in the pasture. Take that thing that has been security and deliverance for you. And I want you to throw it down. And he does. And it becomes a snake. Did you know 
that when Jesus came and died on the cross for our sin, watch this. The Bible says he did not die just for sin. The Bible says he actually, in that moment, became sin for you and I. That's what it says. 2 Corinthians 5. He became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. It also says in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Watch this. Being made a curse for us. 1 Peter 2.24, He bore in himself our sins in his own body on the tree that dying to sin, we might live to righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. I cannot drive home the gravity of this enough to you. When Jesus was on the cross, he did not just take sin upon him. He actually became the cursed for us. He took Every last sin that you have committed or will commit. He took the guilt of it. He took the shame of it. He took the horror of it. He took the grotesqueness of it. He took all the judgment that was designed for it. He took it in himself. He was changed in that moment and he became like the serpent thrown on the ground. And you say, now wait a minute. Are you calling Jesus a snake? Yes. Stay with me. Because the Bible says, in fact, Jesus would say from his own lips, as Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness, so shall I be lifted up and draw all men to myself. Who's calling who a snake? Jesus is calling himself a snake because he became that for us. And if you're not seeing the depth of what he became, you'll never see the, the life that you have in him. He became the cursed one. He became the one separated. He became the one that took the curse upon himself. But he didn't stay a snake. He was on the ground. The Bible says for three days he was in the ground. But on the third day, he rose again. He was no longer the serpent. He returned to the power of what he was before. Oh, but watch this. But even more. You see, Jesus then became something that he hadn't been on earth. He became alive with a resurrected body. He could do things that he didn't do before. He was walking through walls, and he was appearing in places that, that the disciples were like, whoa, where'd you come from? He was doing things that they were amazed by. Moses' rod, after he picked it up, it did things it had never done before. It was the rod that Moses held up over the Red Sea, and the Red Sea went, whoop. It was that same rod. That rod became resurrected that day. So the first sign that you and I have the moment you start thinking, oh, I just don't know if I can do those things that God's called me to do. I don't know if I can serve in that ministry. I don't know that I could seek the Lord. I don't know that I could accomplish all those great things. Look here. 
The first sign that God has given you is the very life of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for you. That's our sign. And that sign gives us confidence. And I get into a situation and God's called me to something. I don't go in confidence in my own abilities. I don't say, well, you know what? I've got some pretty good talents, doggone it. You don't say, well, you know what? I do have a pretty good bank account. Not that anybody would say that. I'm just not, uh, you know, I am kind of popular. I mean, I've got a lot of likes on Facebook, you know. We don't go in our own strength. We go in the confidence of knowing that the God of heaven, when I was the one cursed, came and died for my sin. He took the curse so that I might live and have the life that he now has with the Father. That's a sign, folks. That's power, folks. That's strength, folks. That's confidence, folks. That's what you and I have been designed to walk in. That's your first sign. Sign number two, the evidence and story of how God has changed you. You see, Moses had his hand, his own hand. It's him. He can't take it off. He can't throw it on the ground. It's him. And God says, I want you to take your hand, put it next to your bosom, and pull it out again. And he sees leprosy. He sees a hopeless future. He sees desperation. He sees pain. He sees agony. He sees no hope in the future. And God says, put it back again. And he puts it back again, and he pulls it back out, and it's healed. And it's clean. And it's restored to what it was intended to be. I don't know how long that hand lived, but i got to wonder if that hand lived longer than the rest of Moses. I don't know. You know, it had resurrection power in it all of a sudden. What happens here with the second sign is you, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've got a personal story now. I recognize it's God's story, but when God's story hits your life, it creates a unique story. It's a story that's different. Jerry's story is different than Kay's story. Jerry and Kay's is different than mine and Heather's. But it's story. It's a message. It's what we used to call your testimony. And it grows and it changes as you walk with Christ. But it is yours. It's unique. Because grace meets you in your failures, your problems, your weaknesses. And it changes you. And it makes you new. And so Moses could know, I, me, Moses, this is my story. My hand was diseased. And then God spoke, and my hand was healed. You see, when you take the first sign and you apply it to your life, you get the second sign. You get a personal story. You get your story. It's your strength. It's designed to be a sign for you. So on those days when you start thinking, well, you know, I haven't heard from God in a long time. I just don't know if God's going to use me. I wonder if God's left me. I just don't, I mean, I failed this and I did this and I just don't know. In that moment, people of God, Moses is, you remember what God did for you. You remember how he healed you. You remember how he changed you. You remember how he restored you. You remember what he did to put you right with God. You remember those days when you thought it was hopeless and he did something that filled you with hope again. Remember those things. Remember those stories. Tell yourself those stories. Hear them again. Tell them to someone. This will be your strength. This is your confidence. But that wasn't all. You see, God gave Moses a a third story. Here's our sign, our third one. 
the sacrifice of your comfort and priorities for Christ. The, th- the third sign for Moses was, Moses, go to the river, the river that's the center of Egypt, the source for Egypt. And Moses, dip out of that river, and very specific, Moses, take it to some dry ground, and there, pour it out. Don't trickle a little bit. Don't slosh a little bit. Don't sprinkle a little bit. Pour it out. And when you do, something amazing is going to happen. It will become blood. And it's going to amaze the people. Moses, this is your sign. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God has called you and I to take from the river of the center of our lives and pour ourselves out for and on the dry ground. I'm going to tell you what. There is some dry ground in our land today. It is a virtual desert. It seems as though our whole nation is living on the backside of the desert these days. You know what signs the people in the nation need to see? They need to see, one, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as a reality. They need to see that story personalized in us, setting us free. Our own personal stories of here's how God healed me. Here's how God changed my relationships. Here's how God restored my marriage. Here's how God restored a broken relationship. Here's how God changed my my life. Here's how God set me free. Here's how God broke me free from that bondage I was stuck in. Here's the thing that God did for me. But the third thing that people have got to see today is you and I pouring ourselves out completely on the dry ground because when you do, they will see the blood. Amen. It doesn't happen until then. All the water's there in the river. You've got all the strength, but until you dip down in the river of the source of what God's done in your life and pour yourself out on the dry ground, they won't see the blood. Wow. I've told you. You thought Moses had it good. We've got it even better. Moses didn't even understand what all that meant. But we had the fulfillment of it in Jesus Christ today. Now, I just got to show you one more verse. And we're going to close. Because in this verse is the power. In this verse is the strength. And they overcame him, the devil. Watch this. By the blood of the Lamb, who was and died and was again, and by the word of their testimony, their own story, and they did not love their lives to the death. They poured it out on the dry ground, and it became blood. This is what you and I have been called to. You want to have drive in your life? you got to know you've been made for a whole lot more than just going to work, coming home, paying a bill, sitting in a recliner, repeat. You've been called to so much more than that. You have been made, crafted, engineered as a highly tuned machine for God. You have been designed for that. You've been given signs for that. 
You've been called. You've been called. Today, if you can't think of places in your life where you're pouring yourself out, where you're really just taking from the center of who you are and putting yourself out there on the dry ground, I think I can confidently say today, you're not walking in obedience to God. God's called us. He's given us everything necessary for life and godliness. Let's pour ourselves out. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? This morning our response time is in the form of our own personal prayers this morning. I'm not going to have a, a come forward moment. This is the moment. This is your time for you to hear from God and speak to God. Maybe today, I take that back. I'm confident today God is speaking. And I'm hoping today that you would say, God, I am shifting my confidence today. Up to this point, I've put my trust in so many other things. I thought it was all up to me, what I could do. But today I'm shifting my confidence to your forgiveness for me, the cross for me, Jesus for me, and I'm finding my strength there. I'm finding my strength in the blood shed for me. I'm finding my strength in that I've been drawn to your heart. I'm finding my strength in that I've been made clean. I'm finding my strength in that you have chosen me. This is where I find my strength today. Maybe today you're saying, God, I, I've not put enough strength in my, the story you've done in my life. Your hand to heal me, free me, change me. I've put my strength in a lot of other things. And finally today, you're, you're realizing that God's called you to pour out your life. To pour it out on the dry ground. To, to live for someone beside yourself to be poured out for those who don't know how to get a drink, to be poured out for those who don't know about the blood, to be poured out for those who are stuck in their sin, to be poured out for those that are far from God today. And today God is calling you. He's calling you. And your heart is coming back to him. You're coming back. You're accepting forgiveness. You're accepting cleansing, and you're accepting the challenge. No longer you say, well, I walk where I've walked. God's called me, and now my life is his. It's all about him. I will be poured out for my wife. I will be poured out for my husband. I will be poured out for my kids. I will be poured out for those I work with. I will be poured out for this nation that they might know. Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, today I am so thankful that your word is alive, that it is speaking and has spoken. It's cleansing and it's calling. It's challenging us and it's bringing us close. Father, today we come to surrender. We come to follow. We come to walk in the confidence of what you've done for us on the cross. 
We come to walk in the confidence of Jesus Christ. We come to walk in the confidence of the blood and wrap our lives around you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning as we sing? Let this moment be a response to the Lord of thankfulness for what he's done in your life. Let's sing together.